Hello everyone, welcome to another podcast. This is Brandon, and uh, Christmas is right around the corner. I'm very excited about that, and my kids are as well. I'm sure anyone who loves Christmas is excited. Uh, this is our one time out of the year where we get to celebrate Jesus and the birth of our Lord, but also uh, give and get goodies and just have time with family and celebrate uh, one another as well. So, uh, Merry Christmas, everyone, and look forward to diving in and getting into this word today. So, God, I just thank you for your word. I ask, Lord, that you would minister to people's hearts. Lord, I pray, God, that the word would enter in, God, that they would be receptive, that they would be hungry and thirsty and say, God, I want to eat of your word, that your word would come in, not only that, but the nutrients of that word would be able to get in our system and we would absorb the nutrients because those nutrients are able to not only save our soul, but also deliver us from evil, shift our focus off of evil, put our focus on God, break chains, destroy strongholds. The Bible says the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It goes in and divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And not only that, but it's healing to our all our flesh. The word of God has power to heal our natural bodies. Not only our soul does it have the ability to nourish and to bring life to, but it will bring health to our bodies in Jesus' name. You know, I had a thought, you know, sometimes when we're walking around with some of those negative things, those negative emotions, right? Negative experiences of the past, maybe present, or maybe even, you know, you're thinking about the future negatively. All those things have the power to affect us negatively in our soul. And those negative emotions can actually get in and now start affecting you physically. Your backache, your your pain, your the thing that comes and this, the, the joints, the marrow, right? Like the Bible says, that can be affected by bitterness and rancor in our soul. Um, bitterness is rottenness to the bones. There's a scripture that talks about it. We don't want to allow life experiences and, and people and things that people say or do to come in and cause uh, us to take on an unhealthy source that's on the inside of us that's producing pain and sorrow and misery and and uh, disease. And I'm not saying all disease is, is caused by this. I'm just saying that I know that there are some diseases that, yes, can be caused by you living with stuff on the inside um, that you ignore, that you pretend not there, that, that you pretend isn't there, that you try to you know, be strong and you don't want anybody to know about, but they're there and they affect us physically. And so God, I just, I pray right now against those things. And I speak life to those areas. I speak the light of God to those areas. God, that you would bring people that are full of your spirit that would come, that would, would be able to illuminate and bring healing and health and wholeness and to remove and, and you know, it's our responsibility. God, give us a passion to take responsibility for our inner man, for the life of our inner man, that it is our responsibility. And God, we can invite people, we can actually uh, help other people to, to see that. And Lord, I pray that you would give us that um, ability in that 
passion and hunger to do those things so that people can walk around with freedom. They can walk around with victory over disease, victory over these strongholds and bondages that try to come in, creep in slowly in our lives to get us tied up and weighed down and and disability, disabled to do what you've called us to do. And God, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. And we thank you for Ehud and his example. And we just love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I'm going to get into this story of Ehud. And if you never heard about this, then just flow with me here and you'll get to know some more about the story. It's in Judges 3 and it's starting at verse 12. Um, We're going to go ahead and start. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. (laughs) I think it's so funny, like reading Judges and how again and 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 again the children of israel did evil in the sight of the lord and how because of broken humanity without god without the holy spirit without what jesus did it's like people it's just like it's in their nature to turn and to do evil right to do evil and so what would happen is god would raise up a a righteous man a righteous leader and that leader would be an example and then they would do good for a while and then once that guy died and that strong leader left then the next thing you know here you got wickedness you know half-hearted leaders half-hearted people that aren't really all in and sold out to the cause of of you know god and then here we go people without god will do their own thing and when they do their own thing they do evil in the sight of god and that brings judgment, it brings misery, it brings depression and oppression. And we see that over and over in the Bible. But I really want to talk about Ehud because it's such a cool, kind of raw uh, story. And uh, so let's get back into it. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. Oh my gosh, is that Palm Beach? Oh my gosh. What the heck? Talking about Florida here, huh? I'm just kidding. All right, so so the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, so here we go, 18 years of serving somebody that who who isn't of the Lord, who is a wicked king, but God allows for it to happen. Really, uh, in my opinion, the people allow for it to happen because there's no submission to God's rule and his authority. So God just sits back and allows for wickedness to take over. Why? Because when it happens, then people say, hey, what's going on? Hey, my life's not, not comfortable anymore. I'm not happy anymore. You know, and they start crying out to God. And then God raises up a deliverer. God raises somebody up to come in and shift it. So, but when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh 
So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took his dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room and behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, He is probably attending to his needs and in the cool chamber. So they waited till they were embarrassed, and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore they took the key and opened them, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Sirah. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim and the children of Israel went down with them from the mountains and he led them. Then he said to them, follow me for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the, hand, and the land had rest for 80 years. So here we see the enemy comes in for 18 years. But when God raises up a deliverer, the impact is for 80 years. Isn't that awesome? And we can, you know, you can say, well, Jesus, the impact of what Jesus did is for eternity, right? Look at that one. That one beats them all. What Jesus did on the cross is for eternity. Amen. So I want to get to the point of, of the story of why I wanted to read this. First of all, you see in society today how... You know, we really have this separation in society of how we view God, politics, you know, how, how does Christianity and God and politics come together? Do they? Are they supposed to be separate? Um, because you have wickedness ruling in the earth, but then you have righteousness ruling in churches right you have churches who are who pe people love god people love um truth they they've given their life to jesus and it exists within this building or within this thing called the church or or really sometimes just within people right people it just lives on the inside of them but yet there's no outflow of it there's no there's no power there's no release of that into society because of persecution because of uh Maybe people are afraid of the consequences of that. 
But in the Bible, if you you know really study it and you get into it, you'll see, man, God was no joke. I mean, you go through the Old Testament and God's this God of war and people are dying by the thousands because of un, because he's, you know, raising up warriors and they're going out and they're fighting battles and they're winning and and it's all in the name of righteousness and God and, and his cause, right? And then you see in the New Testament where Jesus comes and says, Look, I'm not coming with a I'm not gonna rule with a with a war and with a sword. We're not gonna go out there and kill a bunch of people and, and I win. Because Jesus wasn't dealing with uh the natural realm he was dealing with the spiritual realm which affects the natural but he was going in beyond that of what the reason why men were so dysfunctional the reason why there was evil in the land was because men were had fallen away from god but yet there was this agitator this force this demonic uh, enemy that would come and influence men like you see in in the uh, old testament with the story of adam and eve in the garden so you have god's creation then you have this agitator this deceiver this person that comes in to try to thwart the will of god to try to deceive and and then get people to agree with him and then do evil and and actually pervert god's truth god's way god's rule and it's all this contention and competition of, of the devil trying to win out on god and trying to get people to turn on God and turn their focus on uh, wickedness and evil instead of righteousness and truth. And so with Ehud, you see this, uh, this man, it doesn't really go into a lot of detail, but this man who is, he's, he's radical. He's all in. He's passionate for the call and he's passionate for the cause of why God has raised him up and why God is like the Bible says, raising up a generation in these days of radical believers, of people who are not settled into the system of the world, settle into the politics and just living in the drama of all that, but actually are tied into and settled into the call and the purpose and the mandate of heaven, which is the Great Commission, which is to go out and to see people reconciled to God, to see people come to Jesus and to know that he is Lord. This is the gospel. This is the purpose of why um, all of us are called and chosen by God, right? To not only affect people's eternity, but to affect people's life on the earth. How do they live it on the earth? How, do they, how are they spending their days are they just focused on, you know what, I got to go to work 40 hours a week, make a living so I can buy a home, buy a nice car, you know, have have all the stuff I want, have all the things I need, be comfortable, and then die of an old age with a lot of comfort, have worked my butt off so that I could get all this wealth and accumulate all this stuff so that people can applaud me, say how great and wonderful I am, and then me die and and have no impact for eternity no impact for the kingdom of god but just impact this life this world which for all of us is fleeting all of us this life is is coming up quickly i mean all you have to do is live long enough have kids get married and realize how how you look back and go wow it just seems to speed up when i was a kid it said it seemed like life took forever especially sitting in some of those classes i had 
because they're boring. And you're like, oh, my God, when will this ever end? Or when will the bell ring so I can get out of here and go do what I want? Right. That was the the mindset as a kid is like life goes by slow. But now that you have kids, you have responsibilities, you have all this stuff that life begins to start going fast because you're spending your time on all these things. Right. And to me, I want to spend my time on the things of God. I want to spend my time with the Lord. I have plenty of things to distract me, plenty of interests that have nothing to do with kingdom purpose. And those things can come in. And yeah, you know, granted, I'm not trying to say you have to be, uh, you know, Superman or super religious or super, that you don't have any fun. I'm saying that it wouldn't be awesome to be known for how you spent your life on the things of God and for God and how that impacted lives and how it impacted society, how it impacted the world because you decided to give yourself fully to the mission and the calling of God. Let God raise me up. God, let me be one like Ehud that you would raise up to impact a generation, to impact uh, my generation of while I'm on the earth, that my life would matter for a greater cause and a greater purpose in Jesus' name. I don't think there's one person, you know, who thinks, you know, I I, I don't want to do anything with my life. I don't want to do any, you know, I don't think there's anybody who starts out life like that. I think you have to come and be disappointed, rejected, hurt, you know, turned down, resisted. I think the enemy has to really get in there and, and really affect people's life for them to give up for them to let go, for them to cast off restraint, for them to say, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. You know what? Serving God's not worth it. Giving your all to the dream or giving your all to something doesn't matter because it just doesn't work. I've tried that and it hurt. I tried that and I was disappointed. I went, you know what? I tried to do that. I tried to tithe. It didn't help me. I didn't, my finances didn't change. I gave and you know what? People just took and I, I didn't get anything and you get bitter and you get, and then all of a sudden you just stop living and you start focusing on your hurt and your pain and you just you look to settle in life and the next thing you know you're just settled into living the motions right going through the motions just making sure you do this and do that and you're just doing the minimal amount to get by and there's no passion there's no sacrifice there's no all in there's no faith there's no walk of obedience to the greater calling and purpose of God because you've been deluded and busted down by life and and uh, the world and the devil and the devil's happy because he's got you not doing anything for God and then you're there oppressed or depressed or thinking about life from this very pessimistic view of how life sucks when in reality life is beautiful there's so many things to engage with so much that you can do and nothing is impossible with God So why not have a cause? Why not have something to partner with, to give your all to, to say, God, I'm all in. No matter what, no matter if life tries to throw a curveball, no matter if somebody hurts me, no matter if somebody takes me out, throws stones at me, beats me, calls me a liar, tells me, uh, defames me. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give my everything to you, Jesus, because that's my call. That's my purpose. And through that, you find healing. Through that, you find vigor you find liberty you find because it's almost like the very pressing in the very like like Ehud takes the dagger and he's so passionate and he's like you know what 
you're not you're not going to rule anymore you're not going to take your place on the throne of my life and cause wickedness and deception and lies to be in my life and he takes the dagger and opens the devil's gut just with his fist all the way through right like into the fat he was so passionate and so ready and so uh strengthened by god to take this wickedness out that he went after it with vigor with passion you know this is what we need to do as believers we need to have a passion for the things of god whatever that may be some people might have you know their passion is to serve and to teach people how to serve the, another person's passion is giving teach people how to give another person's passion is you know what we got to go out on the streets and teach people how to win souls how to go after souls another person we need to teach people how to worship they need to be passionate in their worship you know we've all been given something we've all been given a piece i think the problem t- sometimes is ministry is that you know what we, we're not happy with the peace we've been given. We want we want it all. We want to act like we have it all. We have all the pieces. And then what happens is all those pieces become di- diluted and you don't have one strong piece that you're strong in or a few pieces, right? Because we're not we're not everything to all people. There's just that's God. God's job is to do that, right? He can be everything and all things to people. But what we can is we can have a peace. We can we can be something in somebody's life, positive. God forbid we're something bitter and negative. God forbid God, the devil uses us to get somebody to, to give up and to push away from God, to get hurt and offended and to say, you know what, it's not worth it. You know what, they're not they're not going after it. They don't care anymore. They're freaking, you know, they're sitting on, on their rear end doing nothing. What what do I need to do? I'll do okay, fine, I'll do the same thing. No. We, we need to inspire people to do great things in life. We need to go after it with a passion and with excitement. And we see this in the story of Ehud. Uh, what are your orders from God? We ha- all of us have an assignment. All of us have a mission. All of us, every single one of us, if you get close to God and you have a relationship with him, he's not just saying, hey, uh, guess what? I'm so glad you chose me to be your savior. Thank you so much. I'm so thankful for you coming and being a Christian, coming to my church. Anything I can do for you? Is there any way I can just do for you? Because God, God's nature is not selfish. God's nature is, is giving. God's a giver. So God gives his son what to get you, but not to get you to be some selfish, bratty Christian. He gets you to now say, God, in return, God, what do you want me to do? What's the orders? What are my orders? Give me an assignment. What do you want me to build? What do you want me to tear down? What do you want me to uproot? What do you want me to plant? What do you want for me to do with my time and my life? How can I give it back to you? And what are my, what's the assignment? And what can you and I go like a Ehud, like a, like a David, like a Joshua, like Moses, like all these characters in the Bible, like a Jesus who had an assignment, who was sent on, on this earth for a purpose to fulfill something that God wanted them to do. And this is something that we all need to come into agreement with God on. We all need to find that place in that calling of what God has for us, that assignment, our orders. What are your orders? And are you willing to prepare? When God gives us orders, 
he then wants to prepare us. This is your orders. This is what I have for you to do. Okay, I'll do it, God. I'll go for it. Okay, now let's prepare you. Let's let's take you through a shaping and a forming and a, a seasoning. You know, when people go into the army, there's a season where they get prepped, right? They had to, they, they, maybe it's not the best, <laughs> but at least they give them some prep to get in there and to realize, hey, you're not, this isn't Kansas anymore. We're not, you know, this is, this is a whole nother world. This is something that we have to jump into with all our heart and get ready because you may die. You could lose your life in this war, in this fight that you're preparing for. And it's the same way. God, we've given our life to it. It's if it costs us everything. So God wants to prepare us. He wants, we need to go to churches, not to be pampered, but to be prepared, right? A lot of churches want to pamper people. They want to, they want to, oh, because they have this view that God's just this, well, he's just this loving, accepting, everything's okay. And you know what? If your feelings are disturbed, okay, well, let's pat you on the back and let's pet you and make you feel comfortable and keep you watered down, keep you lukewarm, keep you thinking it's all about you, thinking thinking that your life, revol- everything revolves around. No, it revolves around him. And when you revolve your life around him, he revolves around you. And what's in him? Peace, joy, prosperity, blessing. All the things you need are found in him. And those things manifest as you give your life to him. Not to people, not to stuff. Right? We give our life to him. And when we're sold out to him and what he has for us, nothing's impossible to God. Nobody's opinion matters to God about you. God's not asking other people, hey, what do you think about my son or my daughter? God's not going and, and knocking on the door. Hey, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, I just had a quick question. You know, I've, I've been dealing with this guy over here, Brandon, and I just want to know, what's your opinion of him? God does not care about what other people think about you. So why should you? Right? Why should we be so concerned about what other people think about us? And I'm not even talking about, you know, your friends, your family, your pastors, and they're in there and they're, they're giving you some advice or correction or instruction. The, those are needed in our life. I'm just talking about the, the proverbial they. Who are they? Though, well, they're going to care. They're going to they're gonna laugh at you. They're going to mock you. They're going to, well, who cares what they think? God doesn't care what they think. In fact, the Bible says that God sits in the heavens and he laughs at the plots and the plan of men. He laughs, especially when they when they make plots and plans against the righteous, against his children, that they try to come and they try to cause harm or anything to, the, to, to his children. God's not mocked. He's not up there, a bad father going, oh man, oh gosh, I wish I'd, somebody hurry quick, tell Jimmy over there, these people are gonna come get him. No, God already knows and he sets up ambushes and he sets up plans to sway and destroy whatever the enemy's trying to do in our lives when we are his, okay? This is something that we have to covenant with him on. We have to come and surrender our life to him and give it to him. God wants to raise us up. He wants to raise up young, a generation that will go all in, all out for him where everything revolves around God and what his purpose is. What is his purpose on the earth? What is he doing right now amongst COVID, amongst a president who is, you know, a wicked president? No doubt. 
He's not submitted to God. There's no fruit there. You can go back in his life and see. It's, it's no wonder he even got the job. But our society and system so screwy that wicked people get into power. And people have agendas and they want things their way. So what happens is it allows for corruption, allows for things to happen. And then you have people who they're not really in it for people. They're in it for themselves. They're in it for, hey, look at my my name's up there on the, I'm the, uh, you know, look at, I'm number whatever president, right? I, I look at, there I am in the, in the list. But all along, just like in the judges, there was a lot of names on the list. But you know what? A lot of those judges were wicked and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And it brought a curse and it brought uh, pain and sorrow in the land. Until what? Until men of God, until people cried out to God and God raises up a deliverer. God raises up men and women of God who will say, no, we're different. We have different mindsets. We have different views on life. We have different opinions than what the world tries to shove down people's throat to say, no, this is how you have to think. And even Christianity, this is the way you need to think. But yet it contradicts scripture. It contradicts the passion and and who Jesus was and who, who the Holy Spirit is on the earth. Are you willing to prepare? Are you willing to be prepared? We have to prepare the choice we make. And then when God begins to shape and form us, are we willing to allow him to shave off and to shape like in Jeremiah 18, the potter on the, on the wheel, that God's able to form and fashion you into who he wants you to be, not allow people to come and form and fashion you, not allow society to come and form and fashion you, but allow the spirit of God and the word of God to fashion who you are. And will you be willing to change and able to change your surroundings? You know, we can't really change the outward, right? The surroundings we're in until we're willing to change on the inside. God wants us to be agents of change, that our life shifts and changes our surroundings for the glory of God, not for misery, not for evil, not for depression, not to see marriages fall apart, not to see brokenness and strife. And that, that's the devil. You know, it's, it's interesting to me how I get around some individuals and it's almost like you can see in their heart, they want people to suffer. They want people, uh, like they actually want marriages to fall apart because maybe they're miserable in their marriage or, or they've had a broken marriage. So when, when they start seeing problems in a marriage, they're really not looking for it to be good. They're actually wanting it to fail. So they have, oh, well, I have mine failed, so yours should fail too. You know, there's a spirit on them of bitterness that, uh, that wants other people to suffer like they have. And that, that type of thing is not a godly thing. That's not what God's mission and, and purpose for your life is. Go make other people suffer and their life suck like yours suck because of bad decisions or bad choices or whatever the enemy did in your life. Now, he, you know, you want to make sure it happens for somebody else's life. No, we're, we're actually there to help people recognize, you know, where the enemy came in and stole from us. We can teach other people, hey, been there just so you know, if you go down this road, if this is the way you're going to behave, if this is the way your marriage looks, I just want to give you a heads up, careful, because right around the corner, 
you're going to get robbed. You're going to get, you know, make sure you have precautions. And so that's why God uses people who've been through painful situations is to help others avoid those situations, not push them into those situations. That's the devil. That's bitterness. That's that's an ugly spirit working on the inside of somebody, not the spirit of God. You know, our call isn't just a call to, you know, the lovey-dovey, the, the you know, what, what we like to call cotton candy, the sweets of Christianity. But there is a war, right? There is a war that we're in. And it's not with people. We're not out there with, with guns and knives. And like, we're not, we're not going to get a knife like Ehud and go up to the whatever ruler that we don't agree with in our society and take a knife and stab him in the guts. And, you know, we'll, we'll be in prison <laughs> real quick. We'll have a prison ministry. So that's not what God's calling us to do. He's not calling us to, uh, in this, in this time to go and destroy. And what's funny about this story is if you've ever seen the Godfather part two, uh, there's an actual scene that mimics this scene and you have Michael Corleone, uh, or not Michael, it's not Michael, it's uh, Vito. Vito as a young man, young Robert De Niro. And he, and it's like Coppola or whoever the author of that story was got the story of Ehud and put it in his book and then called it the mafia, which is kind of funny because it's like, well, oh, so, you know, this is like, you know, God's mafia back in the day. You know, we're gonna, but it was like a righteous mafia. Like we're, we're, we're fighting for God and for victory and for righteousness and joy. We're gonna go in there. But in the in the movie, in The Godfather, you know, it was about power control and this guy was, you know, a gross man. And he was ruling uh, over this part of Italy and so Vito was gonna go take him out. But it's kind of funny how it coincides with the story and how Ehud goes in and says, you know what, no longer Eglon. First of all, your name is horrible, Eglon, if that's even how you pronounce it, but what a name. Just take you out for your name because nobody wants to say that name anymore. It's just annoying. And uh, stick a knife and gut him right there in front of everybody and his guts spill out. I mean, that's pretty graphic scene for the Bible, right? So we see that there is a a radical war of going after God in a way that's radical. And, and with, with Christianity, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus... You know, we're not in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament of grace and love and mercy. And God works by the Spirit in us, which is love, which is joy and peace, right? It's not division. It's not It's not this ugly, demonic spirit type of thing. It's this beautiful, no, for righteousness sake, I stand for God, God's truth. And if you want to take a sword and strike me down, then so be it. But I will speak the truth. I will live for God. If you want to hurt my life because of your bitterness and your anger and your hate, then I will take it and embrace it for the sake of God and his kingdom. Because what I believe in my heart before the Lord is that what I'm saying and what I represent is truth. What I'm saying and what I speak is truth. And, you know, you get all kinds of people, all kinds of different opinions about what people think about what you say or don't say. But ultimately, it's what does God think? What is God saying? What is your assignment? What has God placed on your life? What is God wanting you to take a stand for? Maybe it's for health. Maybe it's that you want people to be healthy. You want people to be uh, to eat right and to live right, to exercise. Maybe it's to for people to live, you know, live uh, 
a pure life, purity, no sex before marriage, teaching men to have a pure mind and a pure heart, to not go after, to follow the lusts of the flesh, but to have a passion for God and to stay pure in their in their heart before the Lord. And to, and to also for, uh, you know, purity before marriage. You know, that's something that's never talked. I, I mean, it's like, when do you ever hear these things being taught anymore? Like, take a, a week and just talk about purity and what it means to abstain and to save yourself and to, to, to not allow for lust and things to come into your life and destroy who you are and who God wants you to be. But allow for the Spirit of God to bring strength and vigor so that you're pure when you meet that woman or when if you're a woman you meet that man that you don't have four or five different relationships that you had to break up with and train yourself on how to be divorced by having a boyfriend and then breaking up having a girlfriend breaking up and having all these broken relationships and by the time you get married you're just ready to know how to break up with somebody because you never were committed and stayed the course and knew what it was like to be all in in a relationship and be faithful and stay the course no matter what. And and we need to teach people wh- how what this means and how they can do this, that, that, that it's easy. You don't have to have busted relationships. You don't have to have 10 people you slept with before you get married and, to, and bring all 10 of those experiences into the bed with you, right? You can be pure. You can be uh, you can have that that commitment with one person. Some people think, oh, that's crazy. I don't want that. Well, yeah, because your mind isn't renewed. So there are causes for us to stand for. There, there are reasons why God p- raises people up in ministry and in life. And it's not just for, you know, a special few. It's for all of us. And in fact, the special few, the fivefold ministry, the fruit of their ministry should be other people raised up doing ministry, raised up producing fruit, that that is the the fruit of a true minister. Isn't that they sat in the church and got to preach every Sunday for 40 years, okay? That's not the fruit of a minister. Oh, well, I've, you know, I, I'm at a church and I've been here 40 years. No, the fruit of your ministry and Sister Susie's been on the same seat in the same church and making the same cake every Christmas, the same pies, but never leads anyone to Jesus, doesn't have any type of ministry of her own, doesn't have any passion to do anything, to take a stand for anything, an assignment to do anything, but just what? Vacuum the carpet, clean the kitchen, and all those things are great in the the eyes of God, but God's much more concerned than a carpet being cleaned. He's, He's much more concerned than toilets being cleaned we want those things clean because it's gross to use a nasty toilet. It's gross to see a dirty carpet. But God's like, you know what's even gross? To, to look out and see people busted and broken and dirty in the world. Right? A dirty life. A young child who has an abusive uh, situation because their parents are drug addicts. And they're, they actually get taken from the home. Or a father dies of a drug overdose and the mom's left with, to raise the baby or vice versa. Like these things God's eyes are on and he's wanting the church to begin to pump people full of purpose and a passion, assignment and ministry to go out and to wreak havoc on the enemy. Not just get people, look, I'm a cool Christian, you know, 
look over here, look at how I dress. I dress cool like the world. I talk cool like the world. You know, I'll even have a beer and a glass of wine like the world. Like, you can come hang out with me. I'm cool. God loves me, and he loves you too like he loves me. So come hang out with my church and be in my church and ignore the rest of all the wickedness that goes on in the world. And I'm not saying every church is like this, but there are churches that are like this. We want to go in and decimate the works of the enemy in the land. And we have to raise up leaders and raise up people that have a passion for these things and not contend with the Spirit of God and try to and try to fight that purpose, uh, but actually invite it into our life and say, no, I, I, I want God to use me in a greater way. Not only raise me up, but God, use me to raise others up. Use me to disciple. Use me to speak into people's lives truth. You know, the story is so short, but it's so cool because to be able to do what Ehud did, you know, it takes a lot of strength, courage. It takes like a blind passion to say, it doesn't matter. I'm going, this is this. It's like, I'm going for it. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm radical. And this is what is called a passionate pursuit. A passionate pursuit is something that costs you everything at all costs. I will not give up. I will not lay down. You know, I've seen the spirit of the world, the spirit of the enemy on people where they almost want to try to thwart the will of God in your life. They almost want to try to put their, like their two senses like, well, they really, this is how they, and it's like witchcraft. It's demonic. And it's like, it's not, it, it would be, it would, if it was just one time, then it would be harder for me to see it. But it's not just one time. It's like many times where you just see it's like a spirit comes on a different person, different face. They look different. They have a different voice, but they're saying the same things. They're alluding to the same things. And it's like a spirit that wants to come in and try to try to just deceptively ease you off your passionate person. Could you imagine somebody coming up to Ehud? Hey, what do you do? I just saw you put that knife and conceal that knife. What are you planning to do? Well, I don't, that's not really what you should do. You know, I don't think that's what you, you know, come in and try to like sway him off what he was going to do or sway him off of what his passion or what he felt God's purpose was for his life. God forbid that be us. God forbid that be somebody like me, like in somebody else's life. Well, you shouldn't really go after God with all your heart. You should have a little bit of God and then focus a lot on the world. No, no, thank you. I'm going all in. I'm going to passionately pursue what God's put on my life, the passions he put in my heart. And I don't need people to come and to pat me on the back and tell me I'm doing a good job or doing a bad job. I need God to do that. And what's cool is God has used people in my life. And what's funny is in those in those types of times, those strategic times where you see the enemy trying to come in and deceive you or it's almost like in the days of old where there would be the false prophet but then the voice of the of the true prophet would come and sometimes you would have to discern okay well what's what's really god who's really speaking but in my life there's been times where people have spoken things or or alluded to things that are like okay you know you know you're kind of struggling but then god sends somebody hey i just want to let you know Boom, boom, boom. Great job doing this. You know what? Keep going after it. All this stuff. And there's an encouraging word that comes, shatters what the enemy's trying doing. 
totally obliterate what the enemy's trying to speak in your life. And that is like fuel to your soul to say, I'm God, I hear you. I'm grabbing onto you and I'm going all in. I'm going all the way with you, God, all in. And that's what the purpose of this message is, is that we want in our life to be all in for him. And it's more than just what's natural, what's easy, what's comfortable, what, what it looks like on this earth, right? There's, there's more to it. There's more to it. And I want my life to matter. I want my life to mean something. And I want to go all in for God. And if that takes me from, from one edge of the earth to the other edge of the earth, so be it. If it allows for my life to be different than everyone else's, then so be it. I want my life to be different. I don't want to be the same as everyone else. I want to be different. I want to be used by God. I want my life to stand out. And it's not for uh, vain uh, glory. Hey, every, I want my life to stick out so everybody can go, oh, wow, your life sticks out and you're so wonderful and great. Well, no, in fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. Most times when your life sticks out, people don't like you. People shame you. People, uh, you know, because you, you're, you, you stick out and you make them uncomfortable because their life is just normal and they're just blending in with society and with everything else that's going on. But when you find some people who their life is different because their mindset is different, because their passions are different, that's who I want to hang out with. That's who I want to find. I want to find the, the radical all in. The earth is not their home. The ambassadors. Where are the ambassadors? Where are those who are passing through? They're not trying to build a kingdom on the earth and get comfortable on the earth. But they're like, no, we're, 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 we're passing through. Everything we do is for God's kingdom and for his purpose. Those are the ones I want to run with. Those are the ones I want to sing with. Those are the ones I want to find and raise up in the power of God. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the mandate from heaven, the call of God, the purpose of God. I thank you, God, for everything that you've done, for all you are. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Holy Spirit, come burn out the dross, burn out the things that would keep me from being fully on fire for you, fully passionate for your thing, for the call of God, for the things of God. Remove every obstacle, God, and let my heart be 100% yours in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, those listening, God, that their hearts would be stirred, that their inner man would be stirred to say, God, I want to be all in. God, I want you to have everything in my life. God, that, that I don't have to stay in the desert or in the valley or in this place. God, that you can take me on a journey in my life. And it doesn't matter where I end up in the natural. It doesn't matter where I'm located on this earth, whether it's Texas, the United States, anywhere in the world. As long as I'm in your perfect will and doing what your assignment is on my life, which is more than just blending into society but sticking out, being a light 
in darkness. Then use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. And do what you want to do with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week and a blessed Christmas. Merry Christmas.